0: The following is a Bible study taught at First Baptist Church of Royal City, Washington. At FBC, we endeavor to handle God's Word accurately, that believers may understand what God is doing through history and what He has planned for believers in the present. We hope you will find this study helpful in better knowing God. More audio and written studies can be found at graceteaching.net under resources. And now, our speaker. This has been about... Paul's teaching about who we are in Christ and his ways, which are in Christ, which he taught everywhere in every church. But then why would we go look at a letter that was written by somebody other than Paul? Well, it was written by James. And but here's. word. Boom. Letting the cat out of the bag. Good job. We can all go home now. <laughs> so it's the same God that moved James to write that moved Paul to write. So if Paul was teaching Christians and teaching them how to live, and James was teaching Christians and teaching them how to live, and if Paul was teaching... Hey, the way to, for a Christian to live is by living in Christ. Does it follow that maybe some of the things James wrote would have to do with living in Christ too? Yeah, it would. It would make sense, wouldn't it? Um, now, there are things we don't know, um, but when the if uh, you know, if I see the track of a dinosaur. Does that that proves that the dinosaur existed right yeah typically yes yeah it proves that the dinosaur existed so if I see something that is the result of thinking getting your mind right on things above and you see the results of it then that doctrine must have existed too right and so this is the thinking we're gonna look at let's turn to the book of James Hebrews and then James. Now, the author of this book was the half, half brother of Jesus. Okay. Same mother, different fathers. Right. Um, probably written between 45 and 47 AD, right after Acts 15. Everybody familiar with Acts 15? Okay. Let's read that. Let's turn over there first. Turn over to Acts 15. Read with me. This is after uh, Paul had been teaching out among the Gentiles. Read from chapter 14, verse 27. It says, And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them. And now he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there they abode a long time with the disciples. All right. And that was Antioch. That was north of Jerusalem. Chapter 15. And certain men who came down from Judea taught the brethren, And said, except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. this is talking about presence and salvation. How are you going to live as a Christian? Because what were they doing in Jerusalem still? The The Jewish Christians were still going to the temple. They were still living by law. They hadn't switched all the way over to grace yet. But they were Christians. (laughs) So when therefore Paul and Barnabas... And no small dissension and disputation with them They determined that Paul and Barnabas And certain other of them Probably Peter and Titus Should go up to Jerusalem Unto the apostles and elders About this question And being Put forward On their way by the church They passed through Phoenicia and Samaria Declaring the conversion of the Gentiles And they caused great joy unto all the brethren. This would mainly be Jewish brethren, right? And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. And there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees who believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and the elders came together for to consider this matter. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made a choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. What's Peter talking about? He's talking about when he went to Cornelius, right? You guys remember that? Was that Peter's idea? Did Peter just know, I'm going to go to the Gentile and and Cornelius' house, and we're going to share the gospel, because Jesus said, go to all nations and teach, right? Is that why Peter did that? No. He had a vision, and it came to him how many times? At least two. Yeah, two or three times. Yeah. And in the end, what was Paul's conclusion? Peter's. What was Peter's conclusion? (laughs) Nothing was unclean. Gentiles. Yeah. Peg got it exactly. It wasn't talking about animals. It was talking about people. Right? Because the sheep came down and it was eat, right? Eat, Peter. But he concluded he was, it was talking about human beings. Human beings were not unclean because they were Gentile, right? And he gave the gospel to Cornelius. Verse 8, And God, who knows the hearts, bore them witness, giving them the Holy Spirit, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, who neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? Is there a ghost over there? Just <laughs> but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved even as they so this is looking at a time that the Jewish Christians would be saved apart from legalism in present tense salvation in the future right then they were still living the Jewish Christians were still living by law but he's saying the Gentiles are under law and in the future we're going to be just like them That's what Peter's saying here. Then all the multitude kept silence. So he finally, after much disputation, Peter gets up, says a word, and everybody is silenced. Everybody see that? And he gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among them. Among the Gentiles, by them, what God had done, this is this is a pointing to praise, right? And after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, "Men and brethren, listen unto me." And he goes on, Simeon, and he's talking about Peter, that's Peter's original name, right? The Jewish, the Jewish name, not the name that Christ gave him. Hath declared how God. For the first time, did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for His name, and to this agree the words of the prophets, as it is written. After this, I will build; I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David, which is fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up, that the residue of men might seek after the Lord, and all the Gentiles upon whom My name is called, saith the Lord, who does who doeth all these things. None, none uh, known unto God are all His works from the beginning of the age. Now this points to the fact that in the future it doesn't tell you here, but if the temple is rebuilt, what does it have to what has to happen to it? It has to be destroyed. So it's kinda of pointing to that too, isn't it? It's kinda of saying there's gonna be a time where we can't practice Judaism. But that's not what it says here. It's saying I will return after he calls out a people for his name. I'm going to return and build a temple. I'm going to set it up. He drop down. Wherefore, this, now this is James saying. He doesn't say here, God told me to say this, but evidently it's in God's word, so it seems to be that, and it seems good to the Holy Spirit. I believe that even is stated here somewhere. Verse 19, wherefore, my sentence is that we trouble not them who from among the Gentiles are turned to God. But that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols, and from fornication, and from things strangled, and from blood. For Moses of old time hath in every city them that preach him, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. So it's not, you're not keeping these rules to establish our righteousness before God. It's because there's Jews all over the world, and all these Gentile places, because of dispersions, that... The Gentiles who are become Christians need to respect these things so that we don't offend Jews, okay? So it seems that James is looking at an outreach to Jews that they would become Christian, maybe. I don't know. Verse 22. Then pleased it the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas namely Judas, surnamed Barsabbas, and Silas, chief men among the brethren. And they wrote letters by them after this manner. The apostles and elders and brethren send greeting unto the brethren which are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia. For as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your souls, saying ye must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. It seems good unto us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men that have dedicated their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have sent, therefore, Judas and Silas, who shall also tell you the same things by mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. That ye abstain from me, offered to idols, and from blood, and from things strangled, and from fornication, from which, if ye keep yourselves, ye shall do well. Fare ye well." Okay, that's the message. And they dismissed, right? Now, it would be my suggestion that after this point, they wrote these letters to the Gentiles, okay? The Gentile believers, and then James writes a letter to believing Jews. turn to the book of James. really good speaker. I'd be able to fill all that in while turning, but I'm a man. I can't do two things at once. (laughs) All right, let's go ahead and read. We're going to focus on this first chapter here today. It says, James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. That alone, what a statement, right? He was the half-brother of Jesus Christ. All right, quite an interesting statement. To the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into multifaceted temptations, knowing this, that the testing of your faith works patience, but let patience have her mature work, that ye may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, it gives to all liberally, and upbraids not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing doubting. For he that doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A two-souled man is unstable in all of his ways. Let the brother of low degree boast in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low. Because as the flower of the grass, he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass. And the flower thereof falls, and the, the grace or the comeliness of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his goings. Happy is the man that endures temptation, for when he is tested, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted directly of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then, when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruit of his creatures wherefore my beloved brethren let every man be swift to hear slow to speak slow to wrath for the wrath of man works not righteousness of God wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness or abundance of evil is literally what it is and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man, beholding his natural face in a mirror. For for he beholds himself, he goes his way, and right away forgets what manner of man he was. Verse 25, But whoso looks into the perfect law of freedom, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man shall be happy indeed. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridles not his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this this man's religion is vain. It's useless. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Okay, that's our passage. Right. How many of you saw physicianal truth in that? Okay. I'm gonna tell you. Okay because this is written so early, it's hard to know what exactly they knew, okay? But there were spiritual gifts existed at that time that aren't existent today, so we don't know. But based on what I know today about how different things are produced here, I have a lot to say about this. Um, There are what I would say, direct statements and implied statements in this chapter. For a direct statement of positional things, I would say verse 9. It says, let the brother of low degree boast in that he is exalted. How is the, the brother of low degree exalted? It's because he's in Christ. This is akin to 1 Corinthians 7. Where Paul says the one who is a slave is a free man in the Lord the, the free man in the Lord is a slave okay because we're a slave to one another we're gonna be serving one another um, in a similar way in verse 10 it says but the rich man he's talking about the rich man down on this earth he's been made low you know it's similar it's a similar to those statements of position Okay, that's a direct statement okay your exaltation in the body of christ now that's about the only thing i would say was a direct statement you might say over here looking into the mirror the perfect law of liberty would be uh, direct statements of our position in christ because where are we set free we're set free in the lord okay i mean the what is the go ahead uh i was just wondering in verse two is that joy a fruit from the Spirit kind of joy? Absolutely. Absolutely. So that would be positional And I would say that would be an implied statement because it's, it's coming from, it's, it's a secondary result of living in Christ. Okay? And now the Holy Spirit produces that, right? So when we see joy, we know you had to practice positional fruit. Okay? All right. And that's exactly where we were going next. All right. <laughs> so thank you. So I want to point some things out here. Let's, if we were to point out some different things, I would say were implied statements of positional truth, just like what Ronnie just said. In verse 2, so James chapter 1 and implied statements. Okay, Joy. Okay, and then we could drop down to verse 3. We have faith. Okay, we could drop down to verse 5 and we have asking. It's the Greek word ito, to ask as a subordinate. So communication with God. We could drop down to verse 6 and we have faith again. We could drop down to verse 12 and we have love. We could draw down to verse 14. And I'm gonna put drawn out. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about there, we'll have to you just have to wait till we get there. Okay? Because I'm not gonna let the cat out of the, out of the bag. <laughs> Number 15, verse 15, the death. Okay. And then verse 21. Meekness. Can you imagine if someone was learning English and you said pull up the cat out of the bag? <laughs> they wouldn't know what I used it in the Spanish class. <laughs> and they understand gato. <laughs> <laughs> they all laughed. <laughs> they have their own saying, their own idioms. That's pretty funny. Stand in learning in Spanish. He spent months learning those type of phrases because mm-hmm. it's confusing when you're learning language, right? Idioms. Yeah. You're like, what does that mean? That doesn't make sense. And then they explain why they say that. And there's one where it's like something you jump and you how high something like that. And uh, there's all kinds of them. All kinds of. Them. All right. Um. So just. For, turn to John chapter 15. How do we come to the state that these are implied statements of positional truth? Turn to John 15. Anything Paul taught on, he got it from Christ. So we, when we look at this, we can go back to the Gospel of John and we can see what Christ told the apostles. And it's not surprising to say that James had some understanding of a little bit of this, right? Because the apostles went on to teach those that came from them. So uh, what did I say, John 15? <laughs> and it says in verse 1 of John this is the day before Christ goes to the cross. All right? And he's just beginning to explain to the disciples some things that they didn't know before. It says, I am the true vine. And my father is the farmer. He's the vine dresser. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he cleanses it. That it may bring forth more fruit. Okay. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abides in me, and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Drop down to verse 7. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. So notice some things here in this John 15. We have the concept of fruit. We have asking. Okay, everybody see that? You shall bear fruit. You can ask if you abide in me. If you abide in me, you will bear fruit. If you abide in me, you can ask. What else do we have? Keep reading. Here it is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide ye in my love. For ye keep my, if ye keep my commandments. Now this isn't talking about the Mosaic law. This is talking about his commandments to love. You shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I have spoken unto you that my... What? Joy. Okay. My joy might abide in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment that ye love one another. Ooh, 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 ooh. There's another one. First Love. Okay. See that? Everybody following? Yeah. So are these, good, are these things that you want to be able to do? I want to be able to talk to God and ask him for things. Am I getting in, line, in that line? Or am I getting in the line where, no, you're not allowed to talk to God and he don't hear you? I want to be in this line. But you have to know how to abide. It's all contingent on abiding in Christ. Uh, I want to ha- who wants to have, does anybody want less joy? Anybody? I have too much joy. I want less joy. Right? No. I want to be in this line. I want to be in this love. Anybody want less love? Or does the world need a little more love? Is the whole world a lot of selfish people? Or would we like to have people a little more giving, a little more generous, a little more giving of themselves? You know? Right? Even unsaved people recognize this. The world needs now is love, 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 right? Mm-hmm. Is that a Beatles song? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Somebody. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but it isn't. even the unsaved recognize the world needs a lot more love. A lot of people, right? Every everybody re- recognizes that they don't know what the love is, and they can't define the love. They take it off to mean all kinds of other things. But even the idea of being giving of yourself. Self-help people say the key to happiness is giving to others. You can read it on all kinds of self-help. Stop thinking about yourself. Stop being so selfish and start being giving. Okay, they they leave God out of it. But all that is to be self-fulfilling so you feel better about yourself. But this isn't about being self-affirming. This is an attitude that God puts in us, a supernatural attitude that God puts in us to be selfless, to help other people namely believers. So, after reading that you go, "Man, this is all this all hinges on abiding in Christ. How do I do that? how do I This word abiding has the idea of being at ease. anybody ever been to somebody's house where it's kind of stuffy, you're not made to feel welcome and you're like I better mind my P's and Q's when I'm here because I don't want them to think I'm like a Cretan. I don't want them to think I'm a, a barbarian. So, you know, you you kind of mind your P's and Q's. You, you kind of, maybe you don't, you know, you don't drop your stuff on the floor. Um, you don't do the things that you would normally do at your own house. Maybe you don't put your feet up on the end table how you like to get comfortable at your house, right? Yeah, my mom always used to say, now be in your best behavior. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know how you normally act around here? Don't act like that. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be yourself. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) This idea of abiding is you're at home. You, you know, somebody comes into your house and you say, You open up the fridge, and say, hey, hey, make yourself at home. Anything in here you can have. Really? <laughs> <laughs> All the donuts, <laughs> right? All the ice cream. I see a steak here. Okay, now you, you might get, not. Even though you didn't say that, they if they open the fridge, they get what they wanted. Yeah. It yeah. happened to me. <laughs> yeah. and I read them one of the guys. Whatever he takes, I say, "What are you doing? You're going finish my oatmeal." <laughs> yeah, so we all understand this idea of being at ease. Okay, how do I be at ease in Christ? I don't deserve to be there. Have you ever been to somewhere where you feel like you you're not you're out of place? If I went to the I don't know. There's no real places where I I look up to people where I'm like, I need to go. I would, you know, but I'm trying to make an illustration for you. Say the King of England. I'm going to go to Charles's place. I don't have some undue respect for the King of England, okay? (laughs) But I'm going to say the King of England. Even though I don't want to go there, let's pretend I want to go there. That I consider it an honor to meet the King of England. I would go in there and I'd say, I don't deserve to be here. I'm not on par with this guy in the terms of this world. What am I doing here? I, I, I'm not at ease here. They want me to act this way and do this and defer to him and, and do all these things. I'm not at ease. Get me out of here. Right? Now take this uh, like 5 billion light years higher we're in the presence of God we're in Christ and I'm supposed to feel at ease how do I do that I want this I want this I want this but it's all contingent on me being at ease in Christ how do I do that how do I do that How do I abide? Well, the Bible says it comes down to walking by the Spirit. You walk by the Spirit. Turn to Romans 8. Now, Tim was going through this just the other day from a different perspective. We read in verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. See, that's the first thing that happens. You go, oh, I'm in Christ? I don't deserve to be there, I deserve to be in hell. So you're not at ease. Well, guess what? You don't deserve to be in hell anymore because of what the work of Christ. Because your God the Father has said, my son paid for your sinfulness, he paid for all your sinful acts he paid for all your sin and he gives you his righteousness and th- therefore now because of what he says about you you're not condemned you don't deserve to go to hell anymore for the law of the spirit of life in christ jesus had made has made me free from the law, the principle of sin and death. The principle of sin and death is the fact that I would have done what Adam did, and so I deserve to go to hell. The principle of life in Christ Jesus is I'm in Christ now, and all that's taken care of. And I'm free. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in likeness of sinful flesh and course and condemned sin in the flesh, Though the righteousness of the law. The law of freedom in Christ might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit sign me up how do I walk after the spirit is there a spirit walk <laughs> you guys ever heard of those trust falls have you ever done one you've done one Long time a long time ago now in your mind did you think they're gonna catch me? Or were you peer pressured into like just falling without putting your hands out without like like you know? I mean that's what I would do. I'd be like, are they really gonna catch me? Are they all gonna do it at the same? You know, one person with one handy isn't. Ca- Everybody has to at the same time have at least one hand out, right? Are they really gonna do it? Are they you know? You, you start to fall, and as you're falling, then you're like freaked out and you grab. <laughs> <you're falling>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah initially you think they will but then you know your nature takes over and for. yeah so this idea how do I walk is there is there just like there's a trust fall is there a special walk that the spirit puts in us that we you know you have a little extra little kick in your step you know no it's not this is a metaphorical walk It's about this idea of ordering the details of your life. And how do you do that? It's going to tell you. For they, this is explanatory. Verse 5 explains verse 4. For they who are existing right now, according to the flesh, how do they do that? They do it by reflectively thinking the things of the flesh. It's saying if you order the details of your life, You reframe your mind around the things of the flesh how are you gonna walk you're gonna walk according to the flesh the sin nature the results are going to be the things of the flesh which are what they're listed in Galatians chapter 5 the perverted human nature that we have but they that are existing right now after the spirit will reflectively think, there's ellipses here, they will reflectively think the things of the spirit. Okay. For to be carnally or fleshly minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Okay? How am I gonna abide in Christ? I'm gonna do it by walking by the spirit. I'm going to abide in Christ by walking by the Spirit. How do I walk by the Spirit? Turn over to Colossians chapter 1. Actually, chapter 3. Only reason I switch like that is because I'm always jealous of people that have perfect notes. So if I say it wrong first, then you won't have... Per- no, just kidding. I made that up. <laughs> Alright. Colossians 3, one. Since ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your reflective thinking set your frame of mind on things above not on things on the earth for ye are dead and your life is hid with christ in god when christ who is our life shall appear then shall ye also appear with him in glory mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth what are the members they're all things of the flesh They're all the things that are exhibited. And when you walk by, when you frame your mind around things of the flesh, you're going to be doing these activities. See? Stop thinking about these activities that your sin nature wants to carry out and start thinking about who you are at the right hand of God, where you're risen with Christ, where your life is hid. Spirit wants to get, he's saying, Hey, walk with me. Walk with me. Get your mind up here. Walk with me. This passage is often summarized by seek, set, mortify. Seek, set, put to death. Now, notice here, over in Romans, you had peace. Let's put that down here. Romans 8. You had peace and life. Okay? Peace and life. Look what you have here in Colossians 3. As you keep reading down, you have verse 10. And have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there cannot be Greek or Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian or Scythian, bond or free. But Christ is all things in all ways. He's the one that sets all the merit. He's the one that sets. He's the standard of your status. He's the standard of your merit. It's not your your ethnicity. It's not your works for special recognition. It's not whether you're bond or free. It's not whether you're a barbarian or a Scythian, okay? Christ is everything. Verse 12. Therefore, because he is your status, because he is your position, put on, therefore, as the chosen of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness. See this? Kindness. Kindness. What else does it have? <laughs> Humbleness of mind. What else? Mm-hmm. Meekness. What else? Long suffering. What does it have in a few verses down lower? Forbearing the next. Forbearing the next. Forbearing one, one another. Gracious, and, love. and then love, which is the bond of maturity. It's gonna put it all together. And peace. And peace, too, yes, yeah, farther down. The umpire, peace is the umpire. And being thankful. And, oh, <laughs> guys, keep going, keep going. What else, what else? Be teachable, I think it has you being taught. Yeah. Okay, we could keep all these good things, right? Anything, any of those, is everybody in these, if there's a line for each of these things, are you in that line? Yes. There's no, but these, none of these are things are, that you're like, oh, I don't want that. They're all, yeah, sign me up. I want that. But the question is, are you going to produce those yourself? Or is that something that God's doing in your life? Because if you're somebody that's trying to produce this in your life, you're no different than any of the world religions of this world. You're falling right in line with what Satan wants to get out of religion. He wants people to be good and righteous apart from God, without the power of God, without the power of the resurrection. Okay. Which do you want to be? Do you want to just be moral, or do you want a personal relationship with the triune God in your life today? Yeah, I want to be moral. But that's not my goal. My goal is to be having a relationship with the triune God where he is living his life out through me. That's what I want. I want this. I want to be abiding in Christ. I want to be able to ask him for things in a way that he'll give them to me. I want to have joy. I want to have supernatural love. I want to have supernatural peace, supernatural kindness, supernatural humbleness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearance. That's what I want. How? How? Seek, set, mortify. You frame your mind on these things. Turn to Galatians 5. So in Galatians 5. We read from verse 13, it says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Have we talked about liberty a couple times already here? James had it over there, right? How do you look into the perfect law of liberty? Remember that? For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. That's a double negative. You shall in no way, no wise. Okay? It's really emphasizing. It's impossible. If you walk by the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that you would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, you are not under any quality of law. Now the works of the flesh are plain, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, anger, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have told, also told you in time past, that they who do, that practice continually such things, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. The singular fruit from the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. Against such, there is no quality of law. And they that are Christ, have crucified the flesh with its passions and its lusts. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk carefully in each step by the Spirit. I gave you a little expanded translation on a couple of those words. Now jump over to chapter six. We drop down Verse 8. I can never read uh, the fruit of the Spirit without reading this verse 7 and 8. Be not deceived. God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap eternal life. It's not telling you how to get eternal life, it's telling you how you have it, how you harvest, how you harvest. If you're sowing, if you're setting your mind to things of the flesh, you're not going to get things of life. Just like Romans 8. You sow to the flesh, you're going to get death. If you sow to the Spirit, you're going to get life. And we've been seeing all these verses go together. It's not telling you how to get saved. It's telling you how you utilize your salvation. So with that said, Everybody see where we're going here? You can't be utilizing the fruit of the Spirit unless you're abiding in Christ. There's no access to it. You can't be abiding in Christ unless you're walking by the Spirit. You're not reaping eternal life unless you're sowing to the Spirit. You're not sowing to the Spirit if you're not walking by the Spirit. If you are, Then you have the fruit, the Holy Spirit is going to do his work. He will produce his fruit. It's a promise. Let's go back to James. So, all through this first chapter of James, we see implied statements that, you know, this is just like if the archaeologist goes and he sees that human footprint inside of a dinosaur footprint, what do you know? They lived at the same time, right? Jim just said something hilarious. I said, you know that guy's got a sore foot.
1: (laughs) That's great. Which one
0: came first So, So, this is kind of what we're doing here. We're looking at this and we see a footprint. The footprint is there's love and there's joy and there's, there's asking and there's meekness. So we know something had to precede it because those are fruit from the spirit. And if there's fruit from the spirit, you had to abide in Christ and you had to walk by the spirit. You had to sow to the spirit to have this supernatural attitudes and to do that you have to live in your position in Christ everybody see where we're at so James was acquainted with these truths in one way or another okay. so we'll close there and we'll come back to this next week this was just introductory and we'll be looking at chapter one next week so when you say he was acquainted did he have those other letters? Did he was able to read those other letters? No. A lot, like letters so a lot of those letters didn't exist. A lot of those letters didn't exist. So, is Peter? I think, yes. I think so he would have a lot had. from Peter. I think it could or have been Paul. Peter or some of the other apostles that okay. were there. Um, yeah, Peter, so was, John. But it was uh, really Paul that laid this all out. Yeah, it would explain it in more detail. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. that's why the truth Christ prophesied concerning the truth Paul explained it it's a book to me the more I read it and the more I hear about it it's become more confusing to me <laughs> yeah. yeah well how much did they know is it possible James wrote about things that he didn't understand yeah it is that happened in the Old Testament too you know um, do we assume that because he makes certain statements that he understood it I don't know i don't know but the holy spirit definitely bore him along to write these things but like the joy uh some of these things i think they understood that i think it was rudimentary things how did this work together with the whole legalism thing i don't know i think you have a little bit of it here they're looking into this law of liberty you know and then they walk away um i think you have some very strange things i think living under law growing up under it and then becoming a Christian and continuing to live by law but then with the promise that that would end it was all very I can't tell you what that's like. So is all of this perfectly relatable to me? No, it's not. It's transitional. There's transitional things here. You get a lot of if you try to establish how we live today out of here this is when you start to get problems. Some of the worst Heretical Christian groups are ones that are trying to take the book of Acts, which is mainly a historical book. It has doctrine in it, but it's mainly a historical book. And they will try to establish how they live today based off (coughs) the book of Acts. Same with the Gospels. Yeah, and the Gospels. Um, But then you have people that react to that because they don't understand there's things that are transitional and they go, Oh, James isn't for me. Peter isn't for me. Because they were to the Jews. No, they were Christian. And there's a lot of Christian truth in these letters. They're important to us. Okay, but you have to delineate what was transitional and what is like it is today. Because Paul was the student of the dispensation, and he brought stuff that would completely change, and he would explain things that they just had a rudimentary understanding of, maybe prior. And Paul in, in Acts 15 where he started he's there to settle the issue with regard to the Gentile churches but he doesn't come in there and say and you guys got to start doing this too yeah he so apparently God for whatever reason was gonna let the Jews continue to kind of work through this on their you know separately but yeah. at the moment or something like that yeah yeah and whether that was Acts 20 that they should have changed or it was when you wrote the book of Hebrews or when, or sometime between then and when the temple was destroyed. You know, that's when it happened. So that must have been God's will, right? So, all right. Any other comments or additions? I, I'd like your thought. I, I, this never occurred to me that divorcing chapter 6 in Galatians and verse 8, sow unto the Spirit, reap to the Spirit eternal life. Just, just a few sentences back, was talking about the fruit from the spirit. I wonder if that's what you're harvesting when you're absolutely. harvesting that eternal life. You're harvesting yes. this fruit. Yes, I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yep, yep. That's one of my text, uh, proof text on uh, explaining. Through the spirit is eternal life mm-hmm. through the spirit is in effect the outliving of eternal life mm-hmm. thank you. Yeah. all right let's close with a word of prayer dear heavenly father we thank you uh, for your word we thank you for your faithfulness to, faithfulness to us we are so unfaithful and uh, we're just so thankful the glory goes to you for those times that we are faithful you have done everything, you put the desire in us to do your will, Uh, you've changed us. Uh, We ask, Father, that uh, we would take the time to put our minds where it needs to be each day and throughout the day, and that we might be changed from the inside out and be effective tools for your use. Amen. (laughs) It means a